All right, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Get it over with. Check your watch. It's all right. I had a preaching professor who told me one time, a good sermon, like a stick of baloney. You can cut it off on either end, nobody knows the difference. We're going to hope this is a good sermon. If you brought a Bible, I want you to take and turn to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. Once you've done that, I want you to find verse 28. I don't know if you realize it, I think that you probably do, that we live in a world that is filled with trouble and difficulty. People are struggling. Many of us who perhaps have pretended to forget that have been reminded over the last couple of weeks. We have watched, if you are on social media or if you just turn on the news, you have watched homes floating away. You have seen buildings, public buildings, churches devastated by tornadoes and by flooding. We live in a world where things happen and sometimes we find ourselves saying, why is this going on? Where is God? How is he allowing these things to happen? Why is it that this occurs and it seems as if he is doing nothing? Well, folks, I want you to know something. This morning, you are holding in your hands the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And in it, you will find many, many promises from God to you, to his children. But the promise we're going to look at this morning is, I believe, the one that is the promise to end all promises. And when I say that, what I mean is this. It does not matter what you're enduring. It does not matter what you are going through. It does not matter how much you are suffering. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in the middle of a clover field filled with blessings. This is the promise that we need to hang on to. I want us to read it together. This will be one of the shortest scripture readings you will ever get from me. And I encourage you to enjoy it because next Sunday you're going to pay for it. (laughs) But if you've got your Bible open to Romans chapter 8, firing verse 28, once you've done that, if you will, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of our Holy Father and His inspired word as we read together. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 one verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, it's there in front of you. I want us to read it together. Would you join me and read this with me? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Father, we thank you this morning for your promises. There are so many, and yet this one has the ability to bind all of our lives together. I pray, Father, that in these few moments we will spend together that you would speak your truth into our hearts. For those who came here today who perhaps are hurting or struggling, I pray you would be their strength. For those who are wounded, I pray that you would be their healer. For those who are ready to give up, I pray that you would refresh and renew their strength. And Father, I pray that when we leave this place, we would go forth understanding 
that everything that occurs in our lives, good, bad, indifferent, that your hand holds it all. Father, teach us your truth, for we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is a marvelous promise. It's not always an easy promise, though, to remember whenever we're struggling. When we're struggling, we tend to get tunnel vision. We focus in on what it is we're battling with, what it is that we're laboring under, what it is that we are struggling with. And I just, I'll be the first to stand before you and tell you, hey, folks, guess what? Times can be tough. We live in a world that is turning and twisting and changing and battling against itself. Good and evil are at war. Satan is alive and well. We have an enemy. God's word tells us we have an adversary. We have an enemy who is prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. And if you follow Christ and if you testify to your faith in Christ and if you try to honor him with your life every day, you need to understand you got a bullseye on you. Satan is coming for you. You're going to face some struggles. There are going to be troubles. The question is, what are you going to allow those troubles to do in your life? Because they are either going to destroy you or they are going to mold you. A lot of that has to do with what you do with the Word of God. You see, this is our nourishment. This is our food. This is our breath. This is our lifeline. This is our hope. This is the truth that we have staked our lives on. And I want us this morning to spend just a few minutes looking at this one verse. And I want you to see what this one verse should help us to do as we face the troubles of this life. The first thing that I want you to see with me is the assurance of this verse. I love the way that Paul says this, and we know. I love Paul's conviction. He didn't say, and we hope, or we think that maybe, or we're praying that God might. There wasn't any of that. No, and we know. This takes uncertainty out of the equation and says, I'm going to live my life by faith. Why? Because I know. I don't have doubts. I'm not being run over by the world. Listen, people everywhere, believers and unbelievers alike, are consumed by uncertainty. You say, well, that's not true. It is true. I listen to people. I listen to the news. I listen to Christian people who pass through my life and often pass through my office. The things that I hear sometimes are amazing to me. I have people tell me things like, I'm not sure why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose in life is. I'm thinking, man, we need to get back in the Word if that's the case. I had a young person tell me not long ago, you know, I've listened to all the lectures and I've, I've read the research that's been presented to me, but I'm still not quite sure how life began. I, I'm confused because here's what the Bible says, but here's what my professor says. Another person told me it seems so chaotic. The world is in uproar all around me, and and I'm looking at it, and I'm realizing I'm not alone. What is life all about? Just yesterday, just yesterday, I had someone say to me, I'm still trying to sort out what I believe happens after death. What comes after this life? Every one of those statements... Every one of those questions 
tells me that we are struggling with flawed human thinking and flawed human understanding, and we need to find the one perfect place and the source of answers. And friends, before I go any further, I want you to know if you're holding a Bible in your hand, you have those answers. You have the truth. You're holding it in your hands. The, the problem is that many people hold it in their hands, but they've never read it. And they've not read it through eyes of faith. They've read it perhaps or they've been told what it says, but they've never taken that truth into their own hearts and let it be planted there and said, this is the truth upon which I will stake my life. Paul staked his life on it. He said, and we know. You see, faith changes your outlook. If you're a person of faith, you ought to know that. You ought to be saying amen to me right now. Faith changes your outlook. Look at what Paul said. And we know that in all things, God works. Now, I don't know what you need to hear, but when I hear God works, that's enough for me. I mean, he's God. He's the creator. He's the one that spoke and all things came into being. He's the one who created that first man and breathed life into him. He's the one who took a rib from that man and created the most amazing creation that any man has ever seen. Can I get an amen from the guys in the house? Those beautiful women sitting next to you. And he gave them life. God works. And we know that in all things, God works. I, I read those words and you know, to me it's almost an echo of the same beginning of sentence that Paul would use when he wrote to his young protege, Timothy. And he said, I know whom I have believed. I know. I don't have to hope. I don't have to think about it. I don't have doubts. No, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until the day. Until that day. What day? The day of his coming. I know. We know. Catch the middle of that phrase. In all things. And we know that in all things, God works. The good times you go through, God is at work. We all want to give him credit for good stuff, right? But I want you to know the bad things you go through. God is at work there. You may feel like God is not present. You may wonder where he is at. You may wonder why you don't see him or sense him or feel him. It's probably because you're so caught up in your own emotions. But I want you to know he is there, brothers and sisters. He does not abandon us in the hard times. He does not abandon us during the struggles. He does not abandon our children on school campus when things are going sideways. He does not abandon our soldiers on the battlefield. He does not abandon us in the workplace or in the middle of strife in our own home. He is working in all things. God is at work. There's an assurance in this verse you can't miss. And if you've missed it, I hope you'll read this verse and you'll see it now. And we know that in all things, God works. Knowing that God is at work in my life and the good and the bad aids me when it comes time that I just have to hang on by my toenails and my fingernails. Y'all ever have those times when you feel like all I'm doing is just hanging on? God, this is the end of the rope. I've tied my knot. I'm hanging on. Now you got to rescue me. It helps us whenever we are enduring the experiences of life to know that in all things, 
God works, oh, listen to this, for the good. For the good. You know, I, I, my heart broke the other day. I was watching a video of a house coming off of a riverbank and floating away. And I know that off behind, the owner of that house was watching. I can't begin to imagine what they were thinking. Oh, and by the way, before anybody thinks a snide thought, let me just tell you something. I know that area, that house wasn't on the riverbank. That house was a mile and a half to a mile and three quarters from the river. But the river has gone where the house was. Can you imagine standing right now and watching your house float away? Some of you thought about it the other night. You wondered. Yeah. But can I tell you something? Even in those times, God is working for good. God is doing things behind the scenes that we never fully understand. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Troubles are going to either strengthen you or destroy you. You have the choice of deciding what they're going to do in your life. But I want you to understand that God is at work. God is doing, even when you're struggling to understand it, whenever things are happening that you wish weren't happening and you don't think should happen, God is at work. I've had people tell me, Pastor, that's just what preachers say. That's not really true. I beg to differ with you. And I'm not going to say that based on the fact that I'm a preacher and therefore I ought to disagree with you. I'm going to base that on the fact of you read your book. I've read mine. And let me just tell you some of the things that I've seen. There was a young man, a boy by the name of Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. It was an awful thing. And they went home and lied to his dad and told him that he had been killed by wild beasts. How could anything possibly be good coming out? But do you know, years later, Joseph looked at his brothers when they came to him for their salvation. And he told them, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. You see, even in that horrific situation, that family dynamic that was so flawed and so faulted and so falling apart, God was at work. Or how about Moses? Moses, who was a murderer, became a fugitive, and he's on the backside of the wilderness. How can anything good be coming out of this? God was preparing him to be a deliverer so that he could shepherd God's people through the wilderness and bring them to the promised land. Or David, an adulterer, a murderer. But God allowed him through his sin and the preaching of the prophet to find repentance and, and discover grace and mercy from God. Or Peter, that brash man who always spoke his mind and, and stepped to the forefront. He denied the Lord three times and yet God showed him mercy and grace. Probably something he needed to learn for his own personal experiences and use by restoring him to this place in ministry. Over and over, listen, I can keep going. We can talk about Paul and some of the encounters he had and, and who he was at the beginning and who he was at the end. But I, I just want you to understand something. God is at work in all things. And what he is doing, what he is doing is preparing us, each one of us, for his purpose. Look at that verse. Look at that verse. And we know. 
That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I say his purpose because I want you to understand something. God has a plan, and it's good. It's good. He doesn't purpose to do evil or wicked in your life. Listen, whenever trouble comes, whenever you're struggling, whenever life feels like it's about to fall off of the tracks and, and, and the wheels are coming off of the cart and you're ready to throw up your hands, I quit, I can't do this anymore. Just remember something. God has a purpose. Maybe, maybe you're more familiar with Jeremiah's rendering of that. Y'all remember? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a purpose. And I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for those who believe. Look at that 28th verse. He's working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's for those who believe. It's for those who love him, who have been called by him, who have embraced his calling, and now they are living out his purpose. So are you sure that God has a purpose for us? Absolutely. That's why he calls us. Well, how does he call us? Well, first, he makes himself and his work visible. In Romans 5, 8, we read Paul's words, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were lost, while we were dying in our sins, separated from him without hope, while we were still sinners, Christ died, get this, for us. For us. Oh, my friend. I've had people say, well, you know, I believe that, but I just, I'm not sure what to do. 1 John 4, 19, that's what you do. 1 John 4, 19, that's what you do. You're not sure what to do with God's love? 1 John 4, 19, that's what you do. Don't know what 1 John 4, 19 is? You ought to be writing right now. If you don't know what to do with the love that God has shown you... 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. We see his love. We respond to his love. We enter that relationship. He gives us new life. We are born again. We become his children. And as his children, we know. We know. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Are you his child? I want to tell you something this morning, and I quit. God is at work. God is at work in this place. God is at work in my life, in many of yours. In fact, I'm going to go a step further. God is at work in all of your lives. You may not recognize it. You may not acknowledge it. But I know, I know 
that God is at work. Why? Because God says so. And if God says so, it is. But my friend, if you're here and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, if you're here and you've never come to a place where you have acknowledged your sinfulness, a lot of people don't like to do that. And they say, man, I, I, you know, you're asking me to, to say that I'm something I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. God's word has already filled in the blank. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's not any of us who can say, no, that's not me. All is a pretty all-inclusive word, isn't it? Yeah. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, and we're all sinners, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, by the way, that's the one who died for us while we were yet sinners so that God could demonstrate his love for us. And if you don't know him, I'm not talking about do you know about him. I'm talking about if you don't know him today, God has a purpose for you being here. He has a plan to do something marvelous in your life if you'll let him. Will you hear his voice? Will you surrender your will to his? Decision's yours. Can't make it for you. Church can't make it for you. You have to make it. What would you do if Jesus called you right now? He is. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song of, of invitation, of commitment, of surrender. I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the Word of God and to the voice of God. If it is God calling you this morning and you know that you need a personal relationship with Him, if you are in that place where you know that you need to acknowledge your sinfulness, you need to be forgiven. You need a Savior to wash you clean. I'm going to tell you, there is such a Savior. His name is Jesus, and He's available to you today. Say, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Come take me by the hand. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot, but we will answer those questions. We'll work our way through it. We may not get it done in the next three or four minutes. We may have to work on it together in the future, but that's okay. We will. I, I won't give up on you because God never gave up on me. It may be that you're here this morning, you're looking for a church home, you're looking for a place to serve and to fellowship and, and to be a part of the body of Christ. If God's led you here, that's where you're supposed to be, I want to invite you, be a part of it. Connect yourself to this body. Whatever it is that God may be calling you to or whatever it is he's calling you for, don't, don't push him away. You may hear him more clearly this morning than you will ever hear him again in your life. Don't miss this opportunity. If he's speaking, listen. Hear his voice. Answer him. And help him find the purpose for which he created you. And let him lead you in it. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I know... 
I know that there is power in your word. It's, it's not power in me. It's not power in the church. It's not power in the music. It's power in the word. And the word tells us that the power is actually in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the moving of the Holy Spirit who makes him known to our hearts. And so, Father, I pray this morning for us gathered in this room. If there's someone here who doesn't know you, someone that your spirit is calling, drawing right now, I pray, Father, bring them to yourself. Let us rejoice together in what you do. Father, I know that there are people who came in here struggling, hurting, trying to find their way, trying to to make their way in the direction you want them to go. I pray that today you make it perfectly clear. Help them to know where to go, how to go what they need to do, how to be a part of your work, your ministry, your mission. And Father, I pray that you would guide us as a church, that our lives would honor you, that our witness would exalt you, and that we might be a people whose actions, attitudes, words, and testimonies would point others toward the saving name above every other name, the name of Jesus. For it's in that name that we pray and ask these things. Amen.